might as well just get started because uh, I have a lot of thoughts about North Korea. I'm too depressed to continue. <laughs> <laughs> Tapping out already? I am. I'm done. 20 seconds in. All right. Well. <laughs> um, yeah, welcome to Move Left Idiots, a progressive talk podcast. I'm your host, uh, Anthony Monterulo, joined by my co-host, LaDonna Loki. What up, LaDonna? What's up? <laughs> I'm on the ball today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boy, as ever. <laughs> And uh, my other co-host, uh, Comrade Gary Oldman. Comrade, what's going Gary on? Gary Oldman, that's right. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm disappointed in the, the media, but I'm happy about uh, other things going on in the world, I guess. Um, it, we might have some peace, maybe some diplomacy going on. Sometimes. But guys, he gave it away for nothing. What are you talking about? He gave it away <laughs> for oh. nothing. They put the flags together and everything, and then they got they nothing put, for it other than glorious. A, a... All right, so <laughs> we're already jumping way ahead, but you, yeah. you could already tell we have fucking thoughts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> President Trump uh, met with Kim Jong Un this week. Don't uh, you mean President Trump? Not president? Not my President Trump? Yeah, no, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Hashtag not my you're President not re- Trump. You're not resisting unless you always say not my President Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna get accused of being Republicans for this fucking segment. But really, like anyone who doesn't have the critical thinking skills to understand that you should advocate for uh, peaceful policies over whoever's in office is a fucking idiot. So I don't really care what they say. But um, yeah. So well, it's uneven, right? Because you see this, but then you see children being caged, and so it's no, no. I mean, look, this is not <laughs> Wait, any, in, in, in any way in saying which Trump's country are we talking about? Exactly. Good, yeah. Right. Um. No. So. Yeah, President Trump met with Kim Jong Un in their big, uh, you know, their big fancy uh, summit this week, and um, which was weird because at one point it was off, right? Like, I must have fallen asleep. Trump it was like thinking he's a good negotiator, power yeah. play, I think. And then suddenly it was <laughs> I'm not back meet on. With him on his terms, I'm going to meet with him on my terms. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I missed that part. It was just like suddenly it happened. I was that's like, that's. I think that's like the the scheduling equivalent of like when Trump will get to a table and he'll like take the glass off the table and put it on the ground. Or, you know where he has to. <laughs> you ever see the video of him doing that and then Pence doing it right after? Like it's a fucking just to like dog? assert power. Yeah. Yeah, it was so funny. I don't even understand <laughs> what that means. These are psychological I, I, I games. Think it, I think it's some bullshit like '80s fucking Wall yeah. Street power move where they think like. If you rearrange your your area in front of you, you're asserting power over that. More like, so if it's someone else's space. area. So if you're if you're sitting at someone else's desk, it's a it's supposedly a I don't know a subtle power move to just rearrange their shit, and and especially if they're OCD, yeah. it can really make them lose their minds. But yeah, <laughs> it's really funny actually. Uh, um, well, but, speaking of people losing their minds, um, yeah. So. President Trump met with Kim Jong Un, and they discussed a uh, you know peace agreement. Basically, um, uh, you know North Korea has been in talks with South Korea for a long time now, and South Korea has wanted them to, uh, you know, put an official end to the Korean War, which has still never been officially ended, and to discuss denuclearization. So President Trump, you know, for all of his flaws, goes over there has a meeting with Kim Jong-un, which no U.S. president has done, which, you know, the media had, has reminded us about about a thousand fucking times, um, and came to a tentative agreement where Kim Jong-un says they will, uh, you know, begin the process of denuclearization, and in exchange, the U.S. will uh, stop doing provocative war games on their border. Um, 
so but wait i thought we didn't get anything out of it i thought no, we didn't we, get yeah they, <laughs> what we, we agreed I, they, <laughs> they gave away the farm anthony they they <laughs> they got what they wanted we didn't get anything we didn't get so, any things other than the thing we wanted yeah exactly <laughs> Well, and keep in mind the the, the context behind this. I mean, so North Korea has been struggling for a long, long time. And in their isolation, I mean, I've I've read stories of their citizens just getting on boats, willing to go pretty much anywhere because they're starving so terribly in that country. So, uh, you know, yeah, well, sanctions, sanctions will cripple cripple any country if you do that to them. You know, it's our our country. We've got 40. 40 million people can't afford to feed themselves in this country, the right. richest country. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, you guys are saying that, you know, all, all this stuff, but I don't know if you guys heard. I, the, the reason that the, the liberal media is right to be so mad that we got nothing is that um, in, in the agreement, it actually says no take backs. So Trump, <laughs> had, you know, agreed to stop doing war games, but there's no actual guarantee that. North Korea is going to denuclearize, but there's also a, a no backseas clause <clears throat> in the contract. So uh, <laughs> we are now officially prohibited from doing war games, but they don't actually have to. No. So this is fucking stupid. Obviously, this is a tentative agreement. And if all of a sudden North Korea decided, hey, we're going to ramp up our nuclear program again, we could just start doing war games again on their fucking border, which is yeah, I mean, stupid the, to begin with. The, the, the bullshit Paris Climate Accord was non-binding, too. It's a voluntary agreement. It's not, you know... We also course, don't stick to Trump our binding lot, agreements. Right. Anyway. No, no, we don't. We don't. We break every treaty. But that's that's it's just... It's like, if Hillary Clinton went over there and did the exact same thing, or if Barack Obama had gone over there and done the exact same thing, you know, uh, they would be coming in their pants about how yeah. great it was. The and left would. The right would be, you know, critical. No, of, yeah, no, the, uh, no, no. The left would be fine. Liberal centrists would be freaking out, like being saying, "This is how great they are." And the only reason those people are are filling their diaper right now is because they don't like that Trump did a good thing and actually pulled it off. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, he's gonna screw it up. He's gonna screw it up." Well, he didn't though. I, if you watch Democracy Now this week, they had wall-to-wall coverage of people who are actual experts on on North and South Korea and actual. You know, peace activists who have been working for reunification for, you know, for decades or actual veterans groups that have been trying to get the remains of 5,000 U.S. soldiers back that have been there, you know, all over the country looking for these bodies. Um, They all said this was great. This is what they've been asking for. The ending the war games was was none of them even expected that much. So they're all really impressed with it. I think it's amazing because they're the people who have been part of this discussion for for years, for decades. They all said it was great. So, you know, it's but like you don't put those people on MSNBC. You don't put peace activists on on um, Young Turks. They don't care about that. They just have a bunch of entertainers up there talking about what their opinions are. And, you know, I have some stats actually about this meeting that are really interesting that, of course, are not at all being reported in the media. Um, Well, and so obviously, first and foremost, President Moon, who's a left wing president, said he was very happy with the meeting. The president of South Korea, um, you know, the attorney, (laughs) the country where actually we actually should be concerned with what they want us to do, considering they're the ones with the most direct threat. Um, 81 percent of South Koreans supported the summit. And 88% supported the Kim uh, and Moon summit that they had. And Moon has an 86% approval rating right now in South Korea. So, you know, South Korea is extremely happy with what, what, what looks to be transpiring. You know, it's obviously tentative and more things need to be worked out. But the the thing that's absurd to me is that this big jump to like, well, 
you know, Obama got this concrete Iran deal ironed and and I of course support the Iran deal, but what they're saying is like on look, Trump just got this vague nonsense thing and they're acting like it's the same. This was a fucking one day meeting. The, the Iran deal took 2 years to put together. This is not going to fucking happen overnight. Like what I it, it's just the rush to torpedo any kind of a peaceful agreement. Wait, are you the... advocating incrementalism? <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying this is it's fucking absurd to act like it, it, like this is the last chance for for a deal to be struck that all of a sudden because they didn't get a on paper binding agreement signed in one fucking day that it's never yeah. going to happen. It's absurd. I mean, well, uh, it, it, we all worried that Bolton was going to undo this thing, and mm-hmm. I'm sure he tried. And I think Pompeo well, there was a story about how he tried actually in the media. Uh, yeah, this week. Uh, you know, my my boss <laughs> Pompeo, uh, right wing conservative climate denier, still is you know apparently running the Department of State the way it's supposed to, which is to push for this kind of diplomacy. Yeah, it's apparently. Surprising. Um, well, because this is a good PR thing, and they're not actually a direct threat to to us, so that you know, the Trump can do that. I still think they're going to end up trying to push for war with Iran uh, because they're not uh, because they they can much easier, uh, you know, rally support for a war with Iran than they could for a war with you know a country like North Korea. I think. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, the difference is that North Korea has very limited infrastructure outside of its military. It doesn't have a whole lot of other things going for it, whereas Iran uh, has a lot of industry and culture, and they've got a lot more... infrastructure overall where essentially I, I a major country i mean guys we need to bring them democracy <laughs> <laughs> well yeah funny thing about that um yeah everyone listening to this already knows the history of uh, what we did in 53 there um <laughs> but yeah it's democracy just, it's, already and they're so ungrateful that they fucking yeah, threw it away well, what the hell i, I guess the, the the thing that blows my mind is people th- everyone i've heard that is is rightfully like well north korea has a terrible human rights record it's like well, how do you get a country to not have a terrible human rights record? You know, you, you can, you're not going to get it with more sanctions. You're just harming those people more. You know, I, I think even though Trump is somebody who doesn't care about their human rights record because he doesn't clearly doesn't care about the abuse of human rights here, you still need to, this needs to happen, right? Normalizing well, then- these relations needs to happen. Bringing them out of isolation needs to happen. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's just going to get worse. Well, and the other thing that makes me fucking crazy about oh well, oh, well Trump's not even going to bring up their their human rights record uh, is Kim Jong Un going to bring up our fucking human rights record? Mm. We have twenty five percent of the world's p- prison population, even though we only have five percent of the world's population. We've fucking killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of civilians in all of our illegal wars. How many uh, fucking citizens? How many you know civilians has Kim Jong Un killed with his drones? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess not any, because I don't know of him actually bombing any other country, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, like, none what? of that is what this is about. This is about, <clears throat> absurd. you know, neo-libs and the, the Pelosi's of the world feeling like this resistance can't possibly allow for Trump to accomplish anything positive. This is, you know, it, it, so the, the, the Mick resistance that people refer to is, is just that. It's about, you know, not wanting to acknowledge anything positive, which I think is just it's just stupid and disingenuous. Do you really want progress right. or not? And it was it was also stupid and disingenuous when Republicans wouldn't didn't want Obama to do anything good either. Right. You know, right. and it's like they, you know, he did lots of bad things, but he, you know, the, 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 the normalizing relations with Cuba, that was a good thing. 
And of course, right wingers opposed it, and they still oppose it. And it's like you're doing—it's the same, you know. We just got to stop with this this bullshit. Like, it's not supposed to be a partisan thing. You're supposed to be for peace in every country, wherever. And I wonder it's why more and more people are registering as independent or identifying as independent. This is yeah. why it's because well, you know, partisan Maher, politics is bullshit. Did, did you guys see what Bill Maher said the other day? He fucking. I try not to, away. but no. He, <laughs> yeah. he, 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 he had a, a rare moment of honesty, so I appreciate that out of him. And it wasn't uh, racist. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, it was a horrible statement, but it was. It was oh. honest. Like it, he took the mask off of his horrible fucking team sports. You know, Parson Hacker. He said, uh, "I think the one way you get rid of Trump is crash is a crashing economy. So please bring on the recession. Sorry if that hurts people, but it's either root for a recession or you lose your democracy. So he's rooting for a recession well, to get rid know- of Trump." I've actually heard that there are quite a few progressives across the country now that are advocating for voting Republican, basically with the idea that you're going to bring about the, you know, rebellion or the revolution more quickly if things go to shit faster. See, I don't um, think that's a good idea. But. Yeah, I don't either. It's but, just not. You know. it's, people don't actually vote that way, though. It's it's like no, Sean it's King just, had. I got I got. Uh, there's some. Yeah, not enough. It's it's, it's Sean King who who I think is good about many things he writes about bernie very well uh he he had a nice little thing written about bernie just last night and uh that got a lot of attention but he had a theory that uh anarchists were going to en masse sign up to vote for trump to bring about you know more you know the crashing of the american empire i don't know how that much worse it could be but you know it's like how many people are you know how many anarchists are in america you know (laughs) How many of them even know where to go sign up to vote for, let alone like would they follow that was through on the, that? I don't know if that was on the census last go around. <laughs> he, but he kept pushing. Check. He kept pushing this conspiracy theory. I was like, Sean King, do you know any anarchists? They're extremely unmotivated <laughs> to pull off a thing, and there's not that many of them. The the two hundred you saw at the you know the Seattle march in the streets thing. That's that was all of them in all Seattle. <laughs> There's not that many. It's just you think there's a bunch more that weren't there. That was it. That was all of them. Um, so, so yeah, he got mocked yeah. for for that one. But you know, for the most part, I think I think he's he's done he's some good stuff. He's good for the most part. He's he he can veer into tyt you know territory sometimes. But he's you know when it comes to criminal justice, I think he's a good voice uh, to have. So <clears throat> you know, a lot of people had interesting takes, but I think by far the most interesting take uh, came from the Rachel Maddow show. Um, so she, you know, opened with this as her A segment and she managed to tie this North Korea thing to, um, a third country. And I, I'm sure you'll never be able to guess which country, but (laughs) I actually, I actually have a bit of, (laughs) I have a a bit of the audio here, so I'm going to play that and then we'll, uh, we'll discuss what she, uh, we'll discuss Rachel's theory. Korea has a tiny little sniglet of a border with a third country there. Wait, what word did she say? There's only one crossing over that border. It's a bridge. It is Is a bridge you cannot walk across, nor can you drive across it. You can only take a train across it. It's the one crossing on that border between North Korea and that third country. If you take that train, which doesn't come very often, If you take that train across that bridge from North Korea and they let you cross that border, where you end up in is Russia. (gasps) The North Korean dictator and the North Korean government appear to have not promised change of any kind 
in their nuclear program or in any other policy. Literally, they gave up nothing. They promised nothing. In exchange for that generous offer, President Trump gave North Korea this royal wedding-style summit in which North Korea was billed as a nation equal in stature to the United States, and the North Korean Jesus. dictator was billed as an international leader equal in stature to the president of the United States. As a bonus, the president also threw in literally hours of unwavering, over-the-top praise for the North Korean dictator and his repeated insistence that it was his honor as president of the United States to have the opportunity to meet with the dictator. And then, surprise, President Trump announced, when it was all over, that he would end the joint military exercises between the U.S. and South Korea. Those bastards. What? <laughs> if he is actually ordering I said those bastards, Rachel. joint military exercises between the U.S. and South Korea, that is an absolute jackpot for the North Korean dictator. What? That is one of the call. things that he wants most on earth that he and his father and his grandfather have been trying to get for decades. What? And now Trump has apparently just given it to them in exchange for nothing. Russia has just this Other than denuclearization, which is what we want. Long border with North Korea, with one crossing on a train. And they've got a troubled and varied history over the decades with that country. But Russia is also increasingly straining at its borders right now and shoving back U.S. and Western influence, especially U.S. and Western military presence, anywhere near what it considers to be its own geopolitical interests. How dare they not let us point missiles the at their border? One of the things they have started to <laughs> loudly insist on is that the U.S. drop those joint military exercises with South Korea. The U.S. has kept those going as a pillar of U.S. national security strategy for, oh, 70 years now. What? Think we got it down yet? What's the strategy? <laughs> last night, when Trump <laughs> casually announced that that's over now, he's doing away with those, blindsided everybody involved and gave North Korea practice. something they desperately want and would do almost anything for, except he gave it to him for free. Guys. How come? What you don't okay, understand. I can't, I can't listen to her <laughs> voice anymore. Even. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. Guys, what, you, what you don't understand is that if we don't do practices, which we've been doing for 70 years straight uh, every day, then we won't be ready when the time comes. <laughs> we haven't had enough practice. If we yeah. don't go out there. And we gave it away our, for nothing, guys. <laughs> with our fifth of a mile long giant aircraft carrier dick erection in the middle of the fucking ocean and drive it back and forth so everyone can see it, they <laughs> might not be afraid of us anymore. And I don't want to live in a world guys, like that. They have an 11-mile border with Russia. There's one bridge, and you know where that you know where that bridge leads Russia. And I don't. And you know her next segment, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but so she talked about how there were you know people kicked off the rolls in California, right? And so she what her quote I think was something along the lines of, "Look, if you put your finger on the map on a globe in the spot of the California Board of Elections, and you spin that globe, eventually." Your finger will be pointed at, you guessed it, Russia. I mean, what? Is, not is this not the most fucking reach of, of a fucking segment that you've understand. ever heard what, in your entire what, life? What was the thing about the train anyway? Like, what, is it, what does that have to do with I, anything? I couldn't fucking tell you for a million dollars. I couldn't There's tell you. There's a choo-choo train that goes between those two they, countries. Russia and, wanted the, Hey, what? guys, Russia wanted world peace. What a fucking, what a <laughs> dictator 
Putin it. I mean, I just what, I wonder who writes the segments. Stupid. Like, who writes oh, the actual? Oh, she has to write this shit herself. Oh, she There's... didn't have time to write all of herself. They they have writers. They have I writers. Mean, a work a on lot the of show. like-minded fucking zombies. They start so, her with a draft. I'm sure somebody somebody it. watched Bridge of Spies and was like, "Ooh, what imagery can we use?" There's a bridge and there's a train and it's in the mountains and no one's there except for you know. It's like, what does it even mean? It's just, yeah, these Russian connections are looser and looser. But there's another part of that segment that really bugged me. So this idea that somehow by having a summit that it's putting the United States on oh, the God, same yes. level okay. as this other country. What the fuck are you supposed to do when you have a diplomatic summit? You're supposed to go there and act like you're you're the big shit and the other guy is just a worthless piece of crap and, and constantly demean them during LaDonna. a summit? LaDonna, you don't you don't understand that diplomacy is only supposed to take place between allies. You're not actually supposed to have diplomacy with your enemies. That's not what diplomacy so is. Oh wait, that's exactly what fucking diplomacy. <laughs> so this this notion that our fucking flag is this this beautiful reverent symbol. I, I was saying this to somebody the other day. Our flag, if you live in the Middle East, may as well be the fucking Jolly Roger in the 1600s. Like you see this, you see the American flag at the fucking head of a tank or a drone or anything. You might as well fucking duck and cover because you're going to be, you know, raped, pillaged, and plundered. Like, it is not. <laughs> the flag itself is going to burn down your village. Yeah. It, it's just such uh, an absurd notion that, oh my God, how dare. And this is from fucking liberals. This isn't from conservative fucking, fl- you know, people that. Liberals are capitalists. And General Electric, the largest manuf- weapons manufacturer, owns MSNBC. So, of course, they're going to say this shit. This is their profit motive. When Trump went over there to North Korea, uh, all the all the weapons manufacturers, their stocks started tanking. So that's what this is. That's all the the only reason why you you put all the money out to have a network to spin out this bullshit is to make money. And the biggest industry that makes money in this country is weapons manufacturing. That's why you buy a, a television network is to run the the kind of propaganda that gets people afraid and makes people want to have war and think that they need, you know, a, a ha- you know, what is it, a trillion dollars of their tax with dollars every year going to the Pentagon. Do they not realize, though, how, I mean, it's looser and looser every single time they try to make a connection to Russia? Like, you know, there were some connections right in the beginning, and you can certainly point to, you know, financial corruption, and uh, we might talk about Manafort later. You know, there are things there, right, that are real. But, but this connection, oh my God, they're they're slightly near each other, or (laughs) like, I don't get it. I, I mean, well, it, she's just so like it's just such like it's it's gone beyond like bordering on xenophobic to the point where it's completely xenophobic at this point. It's like any possible way she could tie it to the country of Russia, like it's just such an absurd. I have no words for it at this. Point. I just like, believe I that when a leader, any any person in this country or in this world that you know advocates for something good, that you reward that. That you, whoever they are, if it's Trump, fine. If it's Kim Jong Un, fine. Who, Putin, if it's, he's it's advocating for That's peace, the yeah. then then yes, you know, applaud that. <laughs> That's the goal, but that's seriously, that's the goal of advocacy and of activism is to get people who typically wouldn't do the thing that you want them to do to do the thing that you want them to do. If we had all people in office that did exactly what we want them to do, we wouldn't have to have fucking activism. Like, that's the whole point of it's just so absurd on the face that that people are like so I, I, the election I, broke their brains and they don't yeah. well, none of this stuff matters to them because they don't none of these people care about 
what happens to people in North Korea. They didn't care about what we were doing, what ICE was doing to immigrants in this country until a year and a half, two years ago. You know, and suddenly they're like, oh, this is terrible. The families are being torn apart. We were tearing apart families when Obama Under was Obama. president. Yeah. He deported sure. more people than any than like the last four presidents combined. They started so, the fences under him, apparently, I was told. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, so the, 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 everyone's like, oh, Trump's border wall. It's like we already have an 800 mile long border wall. I always think this is, is hilarious where they're like, will Trump build a border wall? And then they show a picture of the border wall that's already there. And nobody <laughs> nobody like goes like, hey, wait a minute. Where'd they get that footage from? It's like, <laughs> it's from the border wall. When Bush was president, Congress approved it, and it was built while, while Obama was a lot president. Of Democrats voted for it, by the way. Of course. Of course they did, because it's Just an like industry. a lot of Democrats it's voted. A, Joe Crowley voted for the fucking fu- uh, founding of ICE. Like, he, you know, he voted yeah. yes on founding of ICE. Wait, and progressive like, hero, Joe Crowley? <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to him later. <laughs> so, if, if for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Crowley is this. Uh, well, he's a uh, he's a big, fat, uh, he's, uh, head Irish immigrant type guy who who touts his own uh, uh, credentials as a uh, descendant of immigrants, but then says he doesn't want the the the, the uh, campaign to be about race when he talks about it's his. It's not actual his fault. He was born opponent. white, guys. Right. Not his fault I was born white. I had Actual to vote for all these racist policies. I was born this way. Yeah. Even though my district is 70, uh, 70%, you know, persons of color, I, I, I vote all the time against their yeah, it's interests. A, it's fucking Bronx. It's like, dude, why did you even get here? Well, all right. So we might as well talk about Joe Crowley since we're yeah. <laughs> talking about him. So I didn't, um, mean to, I didn't mean to force a segue there. I just, <laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, basically, just to wrap up our North Korea thing, uh, people who are criticizing the summit are stupid. You can you can definitely have, um, you know, tepid concerns about whether or not it's going to happen. But what happened on paper is a good thing. And to act like it's not because you don't like the person that uh, facilitated it is fucking stupid and partisan and hacky. And you should reevaluate the way you approach everything because if you, if you can't advocate for the policies you want to see and only can think about who you know w- which member of your team uh succeeded or failed then you're a fucking hack like that's all i can it's really fine say about to be that. suspicious of of a country or sure. motives of someone Absolutely. that that you don't consider an ally so to go oh well you know putin wants this or it's fine to to question that or wonder why but at the end of the day you don't evaluate it on that basis of gee it helps them therefore it can't be good for us in any way no sometimes things are actually mutually beneficial like peace yeah yeah, novel concept. Um, yeah, so so the reason we were talking about Joe Crowley is because uh, we, we were let down in a big way uh, this week. Uh, Ro Khanna, who we've talked about plenty on this podcast, is kind of a leader uh, in, in the House, kind of the progressive ideas man, has championed a lot of policies that um, is that a gong did someone just hit a gong <laughs> i think i hit my microphone sorry <laughs> i know that was it's it sound oh yeah <laughs> nice nice rokana <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I never thought that that's, highly that's of the, the gong place, show but... gong to fucking you know <laughs> yeah you're out of here get them all get them out of here get them out of here so you know we we <laughs> We, we we all had pretty high opinions or, or decently, you know, he's certainly the best in the house, which, you know, after the story we're about to do is really depressing because he still probably is the best congressman in the house when it comes to uh, supporting progressive policies and voicing progressive opinions. Um, but 
he decided to give a not endorsement endorsement to Joe Crowley, one of the most conservative Democrats in the House. I mean, this dude voted for the Patriot Act, voted for the Iraq War, voted for the creation of ICE. I mean, he's fucking horrible. You know, as corporatist as they come, opposes every like possible progressive uh, policy position you can think of. Um, not every. And that's part of the reason why. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, yeah. he did also oppose marijuana legalization until he all of a sudden got a progressive challenger uh, in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who we talked about, you know, I think last week, uh, this fucking fire-breathing uh, progressive who's running against him, running an awesome campaign. Uh, so all of a sudden he's in panic mode and like, oh, crap, I better start pretending to support progressive policies so he i don't know there yeah. there may be more to it than that there's a lot of republicans now even in my state of wisconsin that are recognizing uh the opioid epidemic is really harming you know suburban white communities oh dear so they're going <laughs> well, oh, that, I mean, it know. could be that but he's also he's been a he's been vehemently opposed to marijuana legalization until all of a sudden you know he has a progressive challenger i don't think the two are not related but uh, they, they probably are but i'll never um get mad at someone for moving in the correct direction on a policy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's five minutes before the, right the election. Reason. They're not doing it for the policy. They're doing it because they're like, oh, fuck, I better go grab my balls out of the jar where Cuomo kept his <laughs> and suddenly they try to pretend that I was a good po- a good representative all this time. Well, and I, I talked about that a little bit this week, or actually recently a few times, in that sometimes on these races – a win is not necessarily you may not win the race but sometimes a win is very simply moving someone who won't move otherwise moving them left on it and you yeah, know it's not yeah, always going to yeah. be a victory and we have to be you know patient it's a big machine right trying to get it to move and i'm not again i'm not advocating for incrementalism but what i'm saying is it takes a long time to affect real change and um you know there are some bright spots you know happening in our elections that we can get to later um, but yeah. Well, yeah, I agree, but I don't give a shit about moving people in the center to the left at all. I, I, my thing is like you run on the policies, you move the policies to the left, fuck whoever the politician is. But it's the politician that is going to sponsor or advocate for the policy. Ultimately, so but if they're only doing it right during the right before the election, you they're haven't not moved them. Through with it either, you haven't moved them. Not. You've just moved their their consultants to, you know, say, "Oh shit, you're in trouble. You better go out there and, uh, so, pret- you know, pro- sit, do a sit well, down." Well, look, yeah, that, is that true? That's also true of you know people in California that you know can vote for single payer, knowing that it's never going to come up and stuff like that. So yeah. yes, these people do you know go ahead with more progressive policies, knowing that it's not going to happen. Yeah. The problem is though, what what we see a lot is when you move these politicians left, you know, who are ostensibly conservative Democrats. They know not to vote for the policy when it has a chance of passing. There's, right. you know, we talk all the time about democratic villains, how they they get to be a rotating, you know, the one that torpedoes it. I guarantee you, Joe Crowley, the deciding vote, would not vote to legalize marijuana or to reduce mandatory minimums or all these this bullshit that he says he all of a sudden supports. Um, you know, it's just a great way to pretend that he's progressive. Well, that's a great way to protect seats for them yeah, to, exactly. to rotate the villain. Yeah. Do you see that video of him playing uh, guitar with a bunch of like uh, persons of color from his district <laughs> the other day? No. And they're all just like so not interested. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like uh, 
Yeah, it's like when you you see someone's Facebook picture and they're they're young and like they went on some uh, relief mission to Africa and it's like the white girl fresh out of college smiling and all like the black kids around her just like frowning, you know. It's like we have some food, please. Shut those? up! I'm trying to get a picture from yeah, my. She's Instagram. like, look, I'm helping. It's going straight to my social media, and they're like, but, we're to be here I, forever, I, living in poverty. I haven't eaten in three days. Can I yeah. please have something? Um, yeah. No. So the quote actually that Rokana gave. Um, which I mean is not a technical endorsement, but it's basically an endorsement because he gave it to Joe Crowley and he plastered it all over social media. Uh, Joe is the type of progressive leader we need in Congress fi- uh, fighting for working Americans. I've been proud to work alongside him for advocating uh, for a more just criminal justice system, decriminalization of marijuana, and programs that bring new opportunities for all. So you know after uh, calling joe crowley a progressive leader is kind of like calling you know donald trump a human rights act uh, advocate it's a little fucking disingenuous if you know anything about the person well and, congress and, trades in favors uh, and if you don't understand that you've never worked on the hill and you've never really worked in politics no, i know why he fucking did it but it was but if, for somebody who claims to be principled and above that kind of shit who all this all and, the time but talks then he about, pretended yeah so he gets called out because he he did the total cop-out thing where it's nothing's good nothing's bad i'll endorse both candidates right <laughs> And people just, just shat worse. down his throat for that, for, for endorsing Alexandria and this Crowley douchebag. And, you know, and then today, my favorite part was Susan Sarandon tweeted at him today and just it basically said, maybe you should do some research before you make a decision like this. And he, like, responded, was like, you're right, you're right, I totally should have. I'm so sorry, Susan. Yeah. I really appreciate That's disingenuous, your... too. They, he, he did research. He's got a team of, of people. Course he knows he exactly yeah. Of course he did. Of course he did. Doing. You know, he, I don't you think don't he re- realized that people were paying as close attention, though, as they were. I think no. that was his biggest because he's, 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 you know, so, and then and I was disappointed in Alexander. He was like, hey, guys, you know, Rose, a good guy. You know, uh, we, we, we thank him for his endorsement. Please stop harassing him nonstop on Twitter. <laughs> well, she was in a... Yeah, she's in she a was in a, She couldn't that. have been like, fuck you. Like, she had to do that. Because that was the first uh, sitting congressman to give her any kind of an endorsement. So, I mean, right. Which in and right. of itself is very difficult for any progressive, sure. any real progressive candidate to get. Yeah. Unless they've already basically sold their souls or, or agreed to do the bidding of the establishment. It's, well, it's he did very... that in the Senate, too. He he endorsed, and, and it's not much better, but he endorsed De Leon over uh, Dianne Feinstein, which got him a lot of shit, too. I was like, well, you could have endorsed one of the progressives, but, you know, that's a whole nother fucking. Um... They look, I, I, and I think it was um, uh, Rosa Calderon who who kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit and talked about this. And she said that she talked to um, Rose's campaign manager and they said flat out, they look at the fundraising, they look at the polls, they look at a person's chance of winning. Obviously they do. So they're like the DCCC, basically. <laughs> there are political realities of this stuff and you can't it's you can't use up all of your political capital i mean i'm not saying don't pick and choose right and you know find some good progressives and advocate for them i believe in that he could have he could have picked a more completely sucks but i don't know what he owed that guy i don't know you know what he what what the quid pro quo was there no i'm sure i'm sure he didn't do that willing what not what not i don't want to say willingly but i'm sure he didn't do that like gleefully i'm sure he joe crowley co-sponsored some of his legislation that he put forth and then yeah. joe crowley called him up is like hey you're gonna yeah. give me an endorsement <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he's like no that's a bad idea for my brand no no no. you're gonna give me an endorsement um now 
you know, I what I would say is Rokana is, well, you know, you already signed on to this bill. If you really want the uh, stigma of having taken your name off of a bill because I wouldn't endorse you, uh, then fucking have at it. But... <laughs> Well, I, I think know, there's I, probably more to it than that. It, it, when you're in there, there's a, a big fear game. They start with you on day one around, you know, the, let's say you get elected. The, the first conversation that they have with you is your March 31st deadline. That's your fundraising deadline. And that's basically the, you know, establishments look at how can you fundraise, how well can you fundraise, and how long are you going to last there? And that's something that's constantly, you know, beaten into their heads is that, you know, they, they've got to do all these different things to survive. And survival is you know not not what it looks like on the outside it's it's lots of different things it's you know fundraising it's favors it's all of the stuff that disgusts us about congress that's the reality of being right. there and and you can tell this by the fact that they lost a thousand seats in the last mm-hmm. 10 years and they don't care yeah yeah that's that's not really a bug of the system it's kind of a feature no they don't they don't give a fuck as long as they Wayne keep raising money for the party the, the only gravy train. Yeah. yeah, the only victory they have their eyes set on is making the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, when you're a party that doesn't support any policy positions, that's the only win that you can fucking take. I mean, what what right. win can well, they take? You know, like I, I'm really like... torn on this one, and I, you know, I'll be honest. Like I said, I've been pretty bummed this week. I, you know, looking at some of the races and some of the candidates, the progressives that lost and and not just lost by a little, like we're pummeled. And I'll, I'll give you the, the example of a campaign that I worked on for a little while, but, you know, very much supported was Amy Valella. And I've talked to you guys a little bit about this. Now, Amy has a story, just to give you guys the background, that she lost her daughter in part due to her lack of health insurance. Um, she went in, she, you know, was seen, they basically told her she, she couldn't show proof of insurance or whatever. They told her we're not a doctor's office, get lost. Uh, she wound up getting on a plane, had, uh, a blood clot that turned into a pulmonary embolism and she, her daughter died in her arms. And so she's advocating for Medicare for all. It's one of the most heartbreaking, uh, compelling, I don't even know how to express it stories yeah. of any candidate this round. Amy had it all when you look at the, the race on paper. She, you know, w- first of all, was one of the first people in it, you know, you know, one of the first real progressives in the race, maybe the only one. Um, you know, the uh, the incumbent wound up leaving the race because of uh, sexual harassment um, claims against him. So he was out. Um, so she had, you know, that advantage, the advantage of being female in the year of the woman and Me Too and all of that, a year that, that women are winning more than than men are. She had money. I know, you know, maybe not compared to um, the establishment candidates, but I think she raised over 100,000, had more than 7,000 individual donors. She had a a good field game. She had a a smart um, team that was working hard. She had a ton of volunteers. She got the endorsement fairly early on from both the local clubs and the National Our Revolution and, and lots of other groups. You know, on paper, you look at that race and you're like, how could she lose? Right. She, she had, she was in it earlier. I mean, all those things. And she barely got 9%, you know, on Tuesday this mm-hmm. week, um, they had that primary and the, the two people that wound up doing better. Um, one was a, uh, Stephen Horsford was a, the congressman who was in before the, the guy that the incumbent that left. Um, and then, um, this other woman, Pat Spearman, who's a state Senator, and so I think I forget Spearman got like 15%. I think Horsford got like 61% or so it was something, you know, crazy. And yeah, Amy got 
around 9%. And it just killed me because I thought, what the fuck is it going to take? Like, what's it going to take? And it, it just, it comes down to, I mean, yeah, she had some money, but comparatively. Oh, he had, I'm sure he had way more money. Yeah, comparatively, you know, probably a fourth of what he had. Um, and it, it sickens me and it just makes me go, again, these races are about money. And so certainly at some point years ago, before things were quite as corrupt as they are now, some Democrats, some insiders read the writing on the wall, saw that they were, you know, maybe taking money from unions and, you know, good causes and things like that. And they were getting fucking pummeled by Republicans who were willing to take it from anyone, any corporation, anyone who wanted to give. And they said the only way we could even potentially think about winning is to do this. I'm not saying I agree with it. I don't think it's right. I, I, it sickens me that we're at this place, but it's a political reality that money still wins elections. And I don't know what to do about it as a progressive that works on campaigns. I seriously don't know how we're going to fix that. The Supreme Court isn't going to change probably anytime soon. Um, certainly the, the, the current members of Congress gonna aren't going to do it. I mean, I've, there's organizations like Represent Us that have gone in and tried to do ballot initiatives, and I think they made some progress, and then I remember that progress was, was immediately then undone by their legislature. This is a hard, hard reality. Well, I also tough believe pill to swallow. Yeah. It's, it's, a, a, what else can you do? Clinton, by the way. I don't know Wait. how much they're actually trying to uh, to, you know, <laughs> affect real change when it comes to money and politics. That's what I mean. Like, there's so many fucking groups that you don't even know if they actually. There's so many groups that are tangentially associated with Onward Together, um, that claim to be trying to push for progressive change. But you know that they, at the end of the day, they're going to support uh, candidates that are not going to fucking try to change the system. It's like there's no, there's no fucking hope at all. In, in, yeah, in there any is the shit. There's hope. That's what direct action for. When you, when you're just tired of playing the same fucking game, you take matters into your own hands and you say, "I don't care whoever is in, in power. I'm going to be against that person, and we're going to go out. We're going to take the streets. We're going to shut down, you know, the traffic. We're going to uh, occupy the office buildings. We're going to, you know, you do all these other things. You blockade or block a oil pipeline. You just stop playing electoral politics and you go out there and you fuck shit up and shut shit down that's and why that's is the that other happening is the, it is, is happening it's... it's constantly happening and it constantly works that's why they send the police out to stop it because it works so well <laughs> it's, but you, you know, know what the and i agree that that's the most effective route but even that i mean you look at fucking dapple like people were there you know taking fucking you know being basically you know, the cops were attempting to fucking kill these protesters, essentially. Oh, sure. That's not and what kills it forever, but that's a flashpoint. No, that's a thing that I, the media can like, focus on. It's, yeah. They still so, don't even fucking talk about that anymore. And it's like, and that pipeline's running. It's spilled fucking seven, eight times right, already. And it's right. like, what? I, it, it, it's easy to feel fucking hopeless because it's like, no matter how much we do electorally and no matter how much direct action we take, the fucking money is still going to overcome <clears throat> into unless we can get every fucking man woman and child out in the streets and yeah. actually protesting and actually no you don't need everybody doing, you, you know you need about 10 a good percentage yeah you need about 10 percent of people being directly engaged in stuff and that's enough to change things for everybody and we can't right. even that's get 20 percent of people to fucking show up and vote but I the mean, voting the, doesn't the easiest, yeah you don't even i'm not have talking to leave about your house that. in I'm a lot of places i'm not talking about 
20 no, but I'm saying voting. if you want people to get out in the street, they can't even fill out a fucking checkbox and mail it in. That's to easier vote. than I mean, yeah, than getting yeah. people to people actually put I their mean, you know put their live their necks on the line or whatever. Yeah, but they're invested in it when they are. People don't vote because they're apathetic because the politicians are apathetic to the needs of their daily lives, right? That's why people stop voting. Sure. They talk about you know doing get out the vote stuff and working on gerrymandering. They don't really give a shit because they they know that they do better when people don't vote. That's money always is going to do better when people don't vote, right? right? So yeah, it's it's the, well, the movement is what matters, fatigue. and they, they yeah, count they, on us getting exhausted in all these different areas and things. So, yeah, but yeah. but no, I mean you're right that it, it has happened in spots and in places. But I mean, think of Citizens United. After that happened, we should have all immediately taken to the streets and gone to D.C. and just you know not stopped until they fucking fixed it. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things, there's a lot of turning points like that when we could have made a difference and, and, you know, you can point to a lot of things. I mean, certainly, um, the way that our social media is run now, something like Arab Spring, you know, unless it's something that, that our government wants to happen, social media is never going to allow it. They shadow ban you on Twitter and so on. You guys have experienced this. Um, they keep you from being able to spread messages in groups, that kind of thing. I, it's just, mm, yeah. I'm frustrated and I'm having a really cynical moment of what the fuck is it going to take? Yeah. Because, uh, well, I mean, all, all, we know you, this. You just, yeah, you got to keep showing up. You know, we know the solution, time but, the, off, but... To, to, to get these people to, and by these people, I mean the, the American public, you know, in mass to actually fucking do anything is, uh, it's counter to everything that they've ever been taught and programmed their entire lives with. Every fucking piece of media and entertainment is designed to make you numb and make you not want to fucking get up and do anything that's going to get you in trouble or do anything that might cost you your job or do anything. So if we that's cut gonna... off our Netflix, <laughs> that'll. <laughs> no, start? if we start broadcasting fucking at subversive materials directly into their Netflix. <laughs> um, but that's another thing, you know. It's like uh, our media, all of it. Well, yeah. you, it, look it's... at how we've we've made home ownership practically required you know we we shame the idea of renting because we think well you're not you're not a real person unless you own a house well if you if people that have a mortgage don't go on strike that's just that's just the way it is right and that's (laughs) how you break labor movements is you you spread people out across the suburbs so they're so far away from where they work that they can't have a an easily form a picket line close to home they can't do a long-term strike you know uh it's just this is we've designed the entire society to be anti-revolutionary in all these ways because we knew that occupations, sit-ins, strikes, these were things that were getting progress for people. Um, so we, you know, the, just, we've made this, they started this in the 1850s in, in Paris, redesigning the streets. They were too wide for, for citizens to take over the streets and hold them so they could get the armies down the street and you know wipe out the, the, the Paris commune. So it, it's, it's... Was this a pep talk? Huh? <laughs> Was, Was this a pep, pep talk? talk? No, this is a depressing fucking episode. It's going to be a depressing episode. It's <laughs> depressing because when you realize all the how all these weak points that the that the state has that no, you're not going to win a a full out full scale war with the with the police or the army, but you have these few skirmishes that get media attention that bring it to the consciousness of everyone and they go, "Oh, hey, now the thing that'll shut down a big disastrous pipeline might be a court ruling, right?" 
But how did that court ruling happen? Because a bunch of people went out on a, on a blockade line and raised the consciousness of people who donated to a legal fund that went to, you know, a, a, a media campaign that finally got to the point where, you know, an attorney general got into office that sued a company that got an oil pipeline shut down. That's how these things work. Right. So so you might get your ass beat by the police on one day, but that's just that's just the spectacle. That's just the theater that you put out there to get people aware of stuff. Or maybe you were, you know, driving like an asshole and you kind of deserve to get your ass beat. And that's that's the alternative. Um, not talking about anything specific. But no, no. So, uh, you know, I, I really f- and I, I share kind of your your depression, Latana, where I, f- I feel really down on uh, electoral politics and even in the idea of getting people to participate in direct action. But I'm really starting to think that we're getting to the second part of JFK's famous quote of, you know, those who make peaceful revolution inevitable make, uh, or I'm sorry, those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. And right. I feel like, I feel like the, the state has made every possible attempt at peaceful revolution completely impossible. Um, and I'm not, you know, advocating for violence, but I, <clears throat> what the fuck else do we have at this point like what what other alternative do we have to see any actual fucking change i mean you know if we I'm like always advocating Sanders... burn up a starbucks <laughs> <laughs> well look where so will there... ladonna get her fucking <laughs> podcast fuel of... <laughs> where will those workers get paid far less than a living wage if not for starbucks where are they gonna go i have an yeah. espresso machine but you know <laughs> so Warren Lynch has, um, I don't know if you guys are friends with him or whatever, but um, he, he does some posts that keep me positive from time to time. And he, he did one this week that was kind of helpful. Um, so he said, by my count, we're now at 46 federal and 59 new state level Bernie Kratz who've won primaries now in 22 states. There are also 13 sitting federal Bernie Kratz, all of whom have won primaries so far. So if trends continue for 50 states, that'll be 116 federal and 134 state-level Bernie-Kratz challengers who will win primaries by the end. What percentage do you think will win the general? 25, 30, 10, 50? If it's about 12%, we will double, double the number of sitting federal Bernie-Kratz. And if it's 24%, we'll quadruple it. So there are some bright spots. Mel Hyman um, was one example. He won top two in his primary in South Carolina. I know that there are others, um, lots more that, that you guys out there probably are aware of. Um, so there are bright spots, and, and I know it's just a moment for me. Um, you know, it, it, it sometimes feels like the losses are overwhelming, but this the U.S., the world, it is a giant machine, and people have told me before that incremental change is not a bug, it's a feature. It's, it's so that we don't fuck it up too badly, too quickly, that it gives us, you know, moving room, and as frustrating as that I is. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> um, well, I, I think there's some truth to it, um, that, you know, it, it does take time for real change to happen, and as much as we all felt, you know... Uh, the, the wave with Bernie and all of that and really thought it was going to happen more quickly. What he inspired, the people he inspired to run, obviously not all of them are going to win, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's over time getting more people who think that way in and, you know, and beyond um, where we'll get there and trying not to, to get exhausted. So I did take a little bit of time off this week and tuned out and watched some Netflix and just did some other shit to try to watch some Ted talks and stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, just to, to try to get 
the inspiration back, the poetry back, the whatever back, um, which is something I think we I all need a, to do. I got a thing that I want to send you that you should, it's about 50 minutes, but it's one of my favorite pieces of agitprop and it always gets me fired up. It's uh, this little uh, sort of art film that this guy made and he used a bunch of YouTube clips and he mm. puts the, some like techno music behind it and he just narrates these uh, excerpts from Chris Hedge's book, uh, Death of the Liberal Class. And it, it, it just it's this really astounding look at why things are the way they really are and why we rebel uh, as a moral act, whether you win or lose, you do it because it's just, right? And the music and the words and the images come together in one of the most unique ways uh, that whenever I'm feeling down, I'm always just like... And the film really brings you down for a while, uh, and then it lifts you back up and makes you feel fucking incredible at the end of it. Uh, That's what I need. So you'll share that to the Move Left page then, and our Twitter. Yeah, page. I'll I'll share that with you, and I'll share that on the on the Facebook page. And it's it's um I I know it's still online somewhere. I'll find it and get it up on there. So it's a lot of fun. It's like it's like 50, 50 minutes, um, and it's it's kind of a weird, awkward length for a thing, but. Uh, it's it's definitely worth the watch. I've been trying to get Anthony to watch it for a while now, actually. And I, I want to do more of that. Just you know, as our cause, I want to be more uplifting. So you know, apologies for my for my down moment right now. I, I do think that, again that there are lots of bright spots, and I think that you know we have to do this for each other. We have to be that support system and take turns taking a, a time out. Um, obviously, we can't all do it at once, yeah. but um, you know, a week or you know a few days or whatever here or there to to recharge. I think it's incredibly important for us to be able to continue mm -hmm. and keep this up for as long as we need to i don't know i think we should just burn it all to the fucking ground <laughs> we could do that you know all right anthony's finally uh <laughs> turned into an anarchist we're all being radicalized it's, as it's gonna, you listen it's gonna vote for trump <laughs> anarchist for trump i'm gonna make it real See, yeah no um yeah, so, uh, you know, rough week. I, you, know, you know, I did want to mention real quick uh, one other piece of news that I saw that didn't get a lot of play, but I think it's really important because it just shows the insidiousness of the establishment. Um, all of a sudden, Nancy Pelosi started talking about Pago. Now, you know, if you're not familiar with what Pago is, essentially it's this uh, super fucking conservative uh, ideology where you every program that you uh you support or that you put forth has to be paid for ahead of time like it, it's not you know to which you know they, they and the, and the reason that this this fucking concept exists is because average you know joe or jill or whatever is going to look at that and be like oh yeah well i have to pay for things before i get them too that makes sense but but when you think about fucking social programs and things like that they don't fucking pay for themselves until you implement them and implement cost-saving measures like something like medicare for all for example costs a fuck ton of money up front but actually is a lot cheaper in the long run than for-profit insurance because you get rid of the fucking unnecessary middleman and the democrats and their fucking donors know this so they're totally unrelated to medicare for all and all these these progressive policies i'm sure saying well no we're gonna we're, we're gonna institute this uh fiscally hawkish policy if we take back the majority in the fucking house <laughs> so if they have the majority they're going to do this right-wing talking point bullshit uh you know uh philosophy of paygo and of course this comes at the same time that we're hearing from all these progressive candidates that they're being told do not use the phrase single payer in any of your campaign ads because it's very divisive uh, you know, even though 80% of the Democrat <laughs> Party supports yeah. it. But, you know, it's, it's well, divisive. No, I Pelosi mean, said if we get the majority, she's willing to look at 
Medicare for all. Oh, so come on. How, is she not just? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, uh, what's more divisive for a party committed to losing, a, uh, you know, on purpose than a policy position that would win them more votes? Think how terrifying <laughs> that must be for them. Like, fuck, if they realize we can win on this, they'll, what 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 will we be doing all this time? You know, they're going to fucking string us up. Yeah. So it, it reminds me of uh, just real quick. It's it's like when uh, when you look at transportation infrastructure, every bike lane or bus rapid transit project or rapid transit project has to have like a like a fivefold return out of its investment dollar, right? To to be <laughs> even considered. Meanwhile, freeways and highways like for humanity. <laughs> No, well, it's, I mean, they're, they're, they're actually a huge investment tool. But highways and freeways always are like a 90% loss on the investment dollar. But no one ever says, well, wait, why are we pouring money into the least efficient, most expensive form of transit when we could actually have like, you know, uh, actual good subway system? <laughs> you know, like, this why, is America. <laughs> right, right. You know, so you have all these mega projects that are always paid for with bonds that often don't get paid back. Um, and then states go bankrupt trying to pay back these bonds on these mega projects that were terrible ideas, you know, horrible 1950s level infrastructure that people are still trying to push today. Um, so yeah, it's, it's this idea that, um, you know, the post office is supposed to turn a profit. Like, no, no, it's not. It's a service. (laughs) It's not a business, you know, (laughs) but that's austerity. That's austerity. Yeah. And that's, but that's the whole conservative ideology, which is fucking infested the democratic party, which is this fucking idea that government is supposed to turn a profit. The government is not a fucking business. The government exists to take care of of the fucking country and take care of the citizens of that country. It's such an absurd fucking right-wing Randian fucking bullshit notion that the government yeah. is supposed to turn up. The government is supposed to lose money taking care of its citizens as long, so as, long <laughs> was, as the fucking... Yeah, that was my, my the one little kind of like funny thing about Trump's talking about ending the war games. He's like, it's actually a huge waste of money, too. And I was like, hey, there you go. That was really funny. War, war is a huge waste of money. I was like, yeah, bro. We've been saying that for a while. <laughs> that's what's so bizarre about this stuff with Trump. I have a friend that's a big time, you know, she's Republican, but she's a big Trump supporter. And I, I can understand when I hear her speak about it, this you know, some of the, the things that they cheer him for, for being willing to, um, you know, look at things differently, being willing to challenge the military industrial complex or whatever the norm thinking is on something. That's what a lot of people see in him is this willingness to be different. Now, I still think he's an asshat, um, but but there are some bright spots and moments like this. Yeah. People, so people are totally going to say we're all Trump supporters after this episode. Uh, but, uh, no, but and, no, and, the look, guy's and, an the reality, and the reality is he's still bombing eight countries. He hasn't scaled back the war in Afghanistan. But we're caging that being children said, and separating a, families. Yeah, and yeah, he's a fucking idiot and he doesn't listen to anyone around him. And sometimes that's to our benefit because he actually does things on its face that would seem like they would be good things like this North Korea thing. Because he knows it'll get him positive, you know, press coverage or positive <clears throat> reactions from Starbucks. the voting base, if not from the <laughs> you know liberal media elite. Yeah, well, that's that's you know even so I don't a, give a fuck why he does it as long as he does yeah. the right thing, you know. Right, right. Yeah, that's what we were hoping for. That Dennis Rodman couldn't do any worse, and that uh, <laughs> you know that even a even a that's the mind-boggling evil, part <laughs> yeah i mean it's like fuck it you can't get should, more 2008 got, than this we should have a moment of this. silence by the way though guys for the american flag because it was it was disgraced this week and uh 
I'm very upset about it. Oh, yeah, one more quick thing before we get out of here. I, I should mention. So I went to a minor league baseball game last night uh, in Hartford, Hartford Yard Goats, right? And I, I, have, I have a very serious crime to report. I didn't call the cops or anything, but, uh, but I, I want to tell you guys about it on the podcast because it was fucked up. Wait, but so I didn't want to get everyone in trouble. I didn't want to get everyone in trouble with the law. Uh, it, it, no, it wasn't even really a crime so much as a crime against America. So I was walking into the stadium as the national anthem was playing, uh -oh. and I saw a guy buying a hot dog. I saw a guy walking around with his hat on. What? I saw another guy talking on his cell phone. I saw at least four or five people uh, you know, just in that little area that I was standing, sitting down during the national anthem. I, 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 all, 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 you know, burly looking white guys who I'm sure are super <laughs> upset about the fucking NFL players taking a knee, you know, during the national anthem. So I, you know, I, I think that this is a crime against America <laughs> and I think it really needs to be remedied. Um, and I don't know what the hell's going on at the Hartford Yard Goats game. They're selling concessions during the, the national anthem is a time where you're supposed to put your one hand over your heart and your other hand on your dick, and you're supposed to <laughs> salute the flip. Oh, shit. You <laughs> cease gestation <laughs> during that song. You do not swallow a hot dog. I don't care. Yeah. It's, you, you have to spit it out. You get it out of your mouth, and you respect it. No, you don't, you're, not allowed to, you're not allowed to do either. You have to let it sit in your throat, and if it chokes you, then, well, you know what? That's the price of being an American. Right. People That's died right. so that you could stand there eating that hot dog. Can, and if you you're can... not willing to die choking on that hot dog for those people. <laughs> no, actually, that's very American. American, American you? I mean, <laughs> you're allowed to touch your genitals through your through a layer of clothing. That's enough. <laughs> that should be enough when you think about freedom and liberty. Yeah. So just, you know, I, I, I just thought that I, I chuckled to myself because I was like, these fucking assholes that I guarantee you all these people would have Did you see an odious the, opinion about the national anthem. If you had the, the picture of the guy who was sitting on a flag at like a park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, had, he had, a, you know, he had a shirt on that said, like, I stand for the flag. And he's literally sitting on a flag. <laughs> he's like literally any... wiping the ass, wiping his ass with the U.S. flag. Doesn't even realize it. It was like guy has a shirt that says, I stand for the national anthem using the American flag as a picnic blanket. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And now he's Twitter famous and doesn't even probably know what Twitter is. <laughs> no, probably not. Oh God. All right. Whee! Well <laughs> Thank you guys for making me laugh. I needed that. Yeah. I mean everything's yeah. still fucked up and horrible. It's still but, fucked, but you know. You know. <laughs> we'll get we'll get through it. Um yeah. much so, yeah, fuckery's been laughed at. <laughs> yes. So, you know, if you like what you hear, uh, you can go and support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash move left. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com uh, slash move left. <laughs> we are sound clowns. <laughs> Guys, I, yeah, no. Uh, only clowns. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, um, You're one of those. No, no, I'm just kidding. I don't really have a My friend Steve actually super afraid of clowns, though. Uh, so, I've got to send you so much clown shit now. Clown porn. It's one of my favorite fucking Stephen King books and and films. So big fan. Um, so there, there's a Stephen King book called Sound Clown. Called it. <laughs> it. That's uh, my new. You never band. read it. <laughs> yeah, I, I read it. I read it. I read it. Read what it. have you read? The web the website Reddit. I read it. I read the it. Reddit. I read it. It's very hard to have a conversation, by the way, with somebody about the book It without having a really like hacky who's on first situation. <laughs> it's like, oh, have you ever yeah. have, have you ever read It before? Have you ever read what? It. It's like <laughs> fucking. Have you read it? 
It's on Stephen it's, King's It it's, is it's the a, way everyone book, should refer to that book. It's a book about Reddit. That's <laughs> what it's called. God, Reddit, the book about book. Reddit. That would be a really dark and twisted book. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do not want to. Reddit is where I learned about torso porn. Ooh. What? I, don't I, ever I'm a, click on WTF in Reddit if you're I, on Reddit. I'm, I'm afraid don't. to ask, but what what is torso porn? Apparently, it's people who get off on torsos. I don't know. My, like you know, amputated the, torsos or like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know. Well, you know that what has been seen cannot be unseen. That's Reddit WTF. So just unsubscribe right. immediately well, if you're in that group. Like, don't click yeah. because you, you the just old, don't know uh, what you're going to get rotten.com website where it's like hey you want to see what a human body looks like after it's decapitated by a helicopter here that's you exactly, go that's exactly what you'll find <laughs> the head's or, gone or, or like brain is perfectly intact <laughs> or like bunnies i Don't mean it just could be anything bills. <laughs> yeah well oh god so yeah. if you're feeling dangerous, you know. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Yeah, we, we, we don't recommend. <laughs> you're entering a very dangerous zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, where was I? Oh, at uh, soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm at Twitter. Check out com. The, the movie podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Check out our episode on Black Panther. We did an episode on Black Panther the other day. Uh, it was we, good. I thought it was a really yeah, good episode. We, it was. It was. It was very white panther. Uh, but yeah, we we acknowledged <laughs> our white pantherness so yeah uh, no we we, 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 did, we didn't pretend like we weren't two white dudes reviewing a, a you know a movie that like was aimed predominantly at black audiences and you know we, we talked about a lot of that you know the wait you're white it. and you enjoyed that how dare you i know right <laughs> uh no it's, it's only the best fucking marvel movie that they've ever produced and you know yada yada but um yeah go check that out we uh we talked about that for about an hour good shit on we're on facebook too by the way i don't Mm -hmm. know if anyone we're coming up on 100 followers on facebook uh yeah it's a very very question who the fuck are you people why are you still on facebook are you (laughs) yeah i don't know i just it's it's on there it's it's a placeholder it's facebook.com slash move left idiots facebook is fucking awful though but if you're on facebook go follow us on facebook we should make a myspace page for for move left idiots i really think (laughs) still still exists yeah yeah, it still exists yeah I'm pretty sure I I feel like I I I linked in a band's old MySpace by accident the other day and I was like oh fuck it's still here and like there's still remember like MySpace music was the primary method of listening to a band's music yeah I mean that was that was before YouTube before YouTube Bandcamp is big now yeah but it's uh, like wow you can listen to four songs for free (laughs) you put your favorite (laughs) bands as your top eight and all that was fucking hilarious Uh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, you can sign into MySpace with your Facebook account, which is kind of ironic. What? <laughs> yeah. I, I just logged on to see. <laughs> it's yeah. like we give up. Fuck it. We know you're not going to make a MySpace. Just log on with your Facebook and. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, I'm uh, on Twitter at move underscore left. I didn't fuck it up this time. Uh, I'm at Polly Bent. P o l i b e n t. Gary underscore Oldman. At the time of your love. Yeah, uh, I'm at Chaos Riot 5000. No, shit. Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) Chaos Riot 1999. How many Twitter accounts is this for you now? Just one. I have one. No, but how many have you been banned from? How many have you been banned from? (laughs) (laughs) Just one. Temp banned. Just one. Just one? All right. Just one. Feels like more. I mean, since you've known me, (laughs) since you know me. Oh, well, no, I meant, I meant. <laughs> oh, ever? In totality. 18, 19. <laughs> I, I've had two that were suspended and I could have fought to get them back open, but I was just like, I don't care. I don't give a shit. Uh, but yeah, they're really tough about like if you, like, they will 
flag your phone number. So if you have a phone number attached to an account that's permanently suspended, you can never use that phone number again to open up another account. That's how they're doing it now. So we haven't been graced with Candace Eiston's presence since she got uh, her first account banned. She's not clever oh, she's enough back. to figure out that. Yeah, she no, back? She, she's back somewhere, but she's keeping a low profile because you know the the cobbing she endured was pretty ruthless. She's probably hiding behind like a like a person of colors fucking get like image, you know, avatar image or whatever. On oh, at least at least twenty or thirty of those. Yeah, 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 her, yeah. her and Sally Altright. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you uh, liked what you hear, uh, check us out. I did that already on Patreon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, fuck, we're just we're trapped in a we're trapped in a in a in a spiel here. Just yeah, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't end the podcast now. I don't know. What to keep, do. swimming. <laughs> keep swimming. Listen next week, fuckers. All right. There's insanity in the control room tonight. Peace.